The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you to um, everyone who listened to the Alicia Cardenas Memorial episode that published last week. Uh, it was a tough episode to work on, but I'm I'm really proud of it and um, really a- a- appreciative of everyone who contributed to the episode and everyone who took time to to share it to to listen to it. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, go back and check it out. It's it's emotional it's um it's tough but it's important uh to to hear who she was so this week i'm gonna try to get back to that um that place where we can you know start focusing on the the future again and um i'm I'm coming back from my little uh holiday break my intention was to interview this week's guest uh, like like last year. Um, Zach Boyer is someone who I've known for a handful of years now. I met him at the uh, the first ever uh, paid professional seminar that I did outside of conferences and, and things like that. I did a class in, in Maryland, and Zach came to that. And... Um, Really smart person, really uh, enthusiastic body piercer, looking to grow, looking to learn. Um, we talked a lot during that class, and we we kept in touch after. Eventually, Zach became one of the scholars at the APP conference. Did fantastic, impressed a lot of people. And then um, Zach got this great opportunity to to work at a studio, um, really well known studio, busy, fantastic jewelry, awesome owner, awesome mentor, uh, in, environment, access to all the information and all the material that any piercer could could ever want. But you know, sometimes opportunities like that are hit or miss, and uh, I think Zach would agree that that opportunity was a, a little bit of a, a miss, but it was definitely a, a learning example. And um, Zach didn't didn't give up. So we're going to talk about it a lot in this interview. But I thought that that was really important to put out there because I've known lots of piercers over the years who have gotten a, a big opportunity. They've tried it. They found out that it didn't really work for them. But I want to make sure that you all know that um, every opportunity is a, a chance for growth. So whether you succeed... Uh, whether you don't really hit the level of, of success that you uh, intended to, you've learned something through that scenario. And I think it would have been really easy for someone to just say, all right, well, I, I, I took my shot. I'm going to go back to working at um, you know, my, my local shop, my comfort zone shop. I'm just going to kind of settle in and, and this is good enough. Some people kind of say, I want more. I want to push more. I want to learn more. I want to see and experience uh, more. And and that's what Zach did, and I really respect it. Um, we we talk a lot in this interview of, of what came next for Zach after he left Atlanta, 
uh, some of the different shops he worked in, and now he's got his uh, his next permanent spot, and it's in another killer great shop, and uh, I think Zach will will flourish there and, and do really well. So let's go ahead and uh, check in with Zach Boyer. And then after that, I've got some news for you. Um, I'm going to be doing a live seminar in Orlando, Florida on Monday, March 7th. And I know that that's coming up quick. As this episode publishes, that's only about three weeks away. So I'm going to be doing a a special lower price just to help it fill up quickly. Uh, But I'm going to be talking about that more after the interview. So come on back. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about new class content available at patreon.com slash ryanpba. I've got new narrated videos. I just published one all about piercing a septum with a clamp. I show three different examples, different septums, different kind of ancillary techniques also. Um, I don't really talk a lot about modifying a needle, but I talk about modifying the jewelry. I talk about and show how to work with seam style jewelry, how to bend it properly to to open and and close seam style jewelry, and some of my other uh, methods and, and theories that go into how I pierce a septum in my studio. I've got other videos that publish during my break. Uh, I've got a whole video about Prince Albert piercings. I show that with a heavily modified, basically a flattened needle showing a six gauge Prince Albert piercing. And I've got all kinds of other narrated uh, piercing video content for you available at patreon.com slash ryanpba. And there's a video version of this episode. So if you're interested, you can go ahead and check that out. You can see Zach's dogs. Uh, This episode, you'll only be able to hear them. So let's go ahead and talk to Zach Boyer. But stick around until the end. I've got a lot of info for you about different educational offerings. Okay. So that was neat. How long how long has it been since we did that first interview, do you think? Was that 2018 or 2019? No, that was 2019, right? Yeah, it was 2019. It was in December, I believe. Yeah, December 2019. Uh episode, it was 139. Episode 139. Live in the dream with Zach Boyer. Uh, at the time, you were um, heading towards uh, a new position at a shop in Atlanta. And like the, the, the basic premise of that talk was like how you were really excited. Um, you were moving into this new shop and you had really worked your way up, you know, from shops where maybe you weren't psyched to work or didn't have as many opportunities or as much like access to information or material as you'd like. Then getting the job in this shop in Atlanta, which, um, you know, I think a lot of piercers would, would see as like a, a big opportunity, but it didn't work out. No, it did not. So I remember talking to you in those days where um, it, it was kind of coming to an end and you were feeling kind of beat up. You know, I don't, I don't want to like act like I can read your mind or anything like that, but in that, in those early spots, you know, going from a position where you were working your way up and working your way up for an opportunity like that. And then that opportunity had kind of run its course. Like how, how did that make you feel as a, as a career body piercer? To be honest with you, man, like at that time, I had a bunch of other like mental stuff going on from the uh, from what happened to me in 2020 and stuff. I'm not using that as an excuse, but um, I felt defeated. I, I truthfully felt like 
uh, my career was over. I had, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I, I felt like no matter what I did or where I tried to go, it wasn't really going to be bad enough or good enough for, for anybody. Um, for me, the best way to really describe it would be, um, do you know how Megadeth was started? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, wasn't it basically Dave Mustaine got kicked out of Metallica? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they woke him up from a couch and they were doing a recording session or some shit. I can't remember who it was. It might've been like one of the, the, you know, one of Lars or James or one of those, those fucking dudes or the, or one of their um, <laughs> recording people. And he, um, they just like, here's a ticket, go home. I've, I, so really the point of that is if, <clears throat> he started a band that was that is just as equal um but to this day he still feels like he'll never be good as metallica you know what i mean so i kind of had that mindset with it all once everything the ball started getting rolling and stuff man because i was i was super down and super depressed and and like didn't know what to do or where to turn or who to talk to you know, and I kind of just went from there and kind of just like most things did it without thinking and started treading water again, you know, mm -hmm. so. So to fast forward to now, um, you know, I, I, I've like really fallen out of contact with a lot of my piercer friends during COVID because I think we're all just in a point where we're all overwhelmed. We're all depressed. We're all anxious, all that stuff. So everybody's got their own um, way of dealing with that. And mine has basically just been like crawl under a rock for a while, but I've been watching you on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. And I've been really seeing, uh, this whole, this whole other chapter opening up and it's really impressive. I, I think there, I, I don't want to say, I think like it's theoretical. Like I've known piercers who have been in a similar situation where they've worked and they've pushed and they've gotten a job in a studio and they've seen it as like, you know, this is the payoff to my hard work. And then that opportunity ends for one, one reason or another, you know, personality conflicts or just like the needs of the studio are different than the needs of the, the, the staff member, what, whatever it is, you know, and then they kind of, <clears throat> they slide back into maybe more of a comfort zone and they, they kind of go back to the steps that they had already grown beyond and all that. And I just want to say that I'm really proud of you for keeping that momentum going forward. And I, I'm sure it was really tough, especially putting yourself out there. And especially putting yourself out there when there's a global pandemic. But I just yeah. want to say that I'm really proud of you. Well, thanks, man. I mean, that's that's the thing, though, is like, <clears throat> I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a relatively sort of defeatist attitude with shit as it is, you know, like when I ask people ask me how they're going, I mean, it's, you know, oh, I could complain, but nobody's going to care. But but the thing about it is, is. <sighs> without failure there's not going to be success mm -hmm. so the worst thing you can do is not try because you can try all try all you want man and you're gonna fail and you're gonna fail and you're gonna fail and then you're gonna find some sort of equation that works for you again and then once you find that it's it's done so that whole 
whole not even trying thing and sliding back into that comfort zone level to me doesn't make any sense just for the simple aspect of in my opinion this is just one person's opinion keep in mind complacency kills mm-hmm. when you get complacent with it in whatever it is you're doing whatever kind of career you have whatever kind of job you have you start to get stagnant. You need to you need to put yourself in situations that are going to <laughs> make you uncomfortable, make you think, make you be, and for the most, for a lack of a better term, be better on what you want and who you are as a person and what you want to come out of your career. In my opinion, you know, so. I mean, dude, some of the places I went and worked like was the most specifically one in Oklahoma City, dude. That was the scariest place on the face of the planet to me. Well, I want to talk. I want to talk about some of these (laughs) some of these shops that you worked at between then and now. And um, how how early on in your like, uh, you know, guest spot uh phase of your life did 23rd street happen because like that's that's super intimidating to me just thinking about the sheer volume of it you'd think um it's not as it's not as intimidating once you get to see it run jason and and tisha have a very well-oiled machine with a very great crew um so that was actually the if you want to get technical, it was the third place, I, well, fourth place I'd ever guessed by. So back in North Carolina, I had a residency with um, a friend of mine in Charlotte named Diana at uh, her studio called The Renegade Pearl. If she needed coverage or something like that, she'd call me. Um, obviously, the, the, the spot in Atlanta, I did a, did a guest spot there. Um, and before going to 23rd i was at uh i went to louisville and went to um tattoo charlie's cool so they were the yeah like fourth place i had ever gone how how i would imagine that buddy wheeler is also like one of those extremely nice studios such a nice dude yeah such a dude he's honestly such everybody there too like all those people are so lovely buddy is (sighs) buddy just can brighten a room man like with his smile <laughs> like like he's just so so awesome and so positive about stuff you know there are some people that uh you know I, I i'm not close with them in the real world you know i don't i don't know that i've ever even met buddy in person i don't think he's come to conference or anything like that but i i've seen so much of his stuff on social media where i feel like i know him a little bit not in a way where i'm gonna lie and say that we're close friends or anything like that but he just seems right. like one of the good ones no he definitely is man and you know he like he went above and beyond to, to help me out, you know, and that's, that's, that's the cool thing about it is, is he's, he's a great person. His studio is great. You know, um, he's, I've spoke with him a couple of times since then. I mean, he came, he actually just one day, it was a busy day at the studio and, uh, I look up and I see, and in the, in the corner, there's just some dude standing and I was like, man, that, that looks like buddy. And then I, it was, that's who it was. It was buddy. It was, he was just, um, just stopped in at St. Louis to say what's up. 
hay and grab some vegan food from this particular spot here and here in um st louis and i was like holy shit dude you know it was really cool so um what was it like because i remember when you when you left that spot in atlanta um there was this couple of weeks period where you weren't really sure what your next step was going to be. So how did you, how did you find the next step? Was it a shop reaching out to you and being like, Hey dude, if you're available, we need help. Or, or did you kind of find someone you'd be comfortable with and reach out to them? Um, it was a little column a and a little column B to be honest. Um, but the, my, first, my first step was, um, hold on a second. Lenore <laughs> hush. Good girl. Eleanor. Um, my first step was really, I just put it out there on the, um, the guest spot, a couple of guest spot forums and stuff, man. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw a couple of people that were, were looking. So I messaged them, buddy happened to be the one that got back to me first. Um, and you know, and, and in between that time period, because dude, it's going on a year now almost since I've been doing that or started doing it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um and and from there, people kind of just reached out to me and I would get offers and I would get people messaging me on during guest spots and stuff. Yeah. At other places, you know, and it, it, it kind of just snowballed from there. And then before I even knew it, I had um, like four months of my life planned out, which was nice, but also logistically, it was <laughs> the logistics and in going into some of this stuff when you're planning your life out like that, it's can get a little muddy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the, the, the first question on the top of my mind for someone that has <clears throat> dogs, what did you do with your dogs? Uh, so first couple of months, I had a friend of mine in Atlanta staying at the house, um, or, or staying at my house and, and watching my dogs and stuff. And mm -hmm. then she told me that she couldn't do it anymore because it was a little bit out of her way and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. all right, that's cool, whatever. Um, so then I started doing the, uh, like, you know, they got the Uber for dog walkers and stuff. Mm -hmm. I did that a couple of times. Um, I also, there was a point where I was going from St. Louis to Columbus to Illinois. Um, and I just drove and I brought them with me on like a wow. three month kind of thing, yeah. which is really neat and really cool. Um, so that's that. I mean, that's 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 the hardest part, honestly, because I don't have kids and stuff. That's the hardest part of all of it. Was the hardest part of all of it for me was actually not being with my dogs. Yeah. Um, or having them with me because they're they, it's so much a part of my daily routine mm -hmm. with them that and uh, theirs too, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I had to put one down actually when I was in Oregon, um, but I just rescued another little guy. Um, he's a big Waylon. He's a big pain in the ass right now, but he's still a puppy. So 
Well, so to, to kind of go back to it, when you, when you had that phase, like I, I remember, I remember chatting with you a little bit and you were like, okay, I got my first guest spot. I've got my second guest spot. And now, and then it was like a week later, it was like, oh shit. Uh, hey, if you want me, to, if you want me to come to your shop, you got to let me know like months ahead of time, because it seemed like you just kind of really hit the ground running when it, when it came to that. So um, was it, was it something where you were trying to find your next permanent spot or was it just one of those things where you wanted to stretch your legs a little bit and see what was out there for different studios or like a palate cleanser from your past experience or like, how did it feel to you going through that, that part of your career? Well, so that's, that's kind of like, Oh, that's kind of one of the hard questions for me to, to really answer. Um, because it felt liberating and it also felt super scary Mm -hmm. at first. Um, but in the back of my head, I knew it's something I needed for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed this to happen. You know, as unfortunate as it is that what happened, you know, on top of all the other stuff I had going on in my personal life, you know, I needed something like this to happen to me to broaden horizons, if it were. Um, It did feel a little cleansing, you know, it felt really, to be honest with you, excuse me, to, to be completely honest with you, it felt very amazing being able to just show you know have no responsibilities if it were mm-hmm. just show up do a good job at what i do be like okay bye you know do you, do you guys want me to come back you know if you do what dates do you want me back stuff like that um that felt really good dude um i i really enjoy it you know um and i was looking for a permanent home you know what i mean because i mean i was out on the road completely for nine months. Um, and so within that nine month period, so it, I, I was home a total of four days as a whole in nine months. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, and you know, it's fun and, and, and living out of a suitcase and seeing new places and stuff like that. It's really fun and really rad. Don't get me wrong. If you get a chance to go do it, by all means do it but it after that certain period of time at least for me I was like man I gotta I gotta do something I gotta find some place because mm-hmm. because this shit just isn't isn't really gonna work out for me well it works out for me and I actually really enjoy the guest spot life but <laughs> I would rather do it in um I would guess you would say quarters <laughs> Or something yeah, well, like that, you, know? I, you know, I, I, I think with a lot of different careers, there's a point, you know, that I don't know if there's a gender, gender neutral term for journeyman, but you know, a, a lot of different careers have that point where it's like, you need to get out there. You need to work in multiple environments with multiple people, different scenarios and situations, because that's what makes you stronger is that experience of the, the differences out there. When you work in one studio, it, it can be great, but I feel like that's 
probably where you're going to refine your craft rather than kind of like find yourself as a craftsperson. I don't know if that's yeah. corny, if that makes sense at all, but I remember having conversations with you when you were at the spot in Atlanta where maybe you had some, some things where you didn't find your comfort zone. You, you felt like maybe some things weren't clicking for you one way or the other with, with the studio. And, um, you know, it seems like you've, you've really kind of hit your stride and have, have found a, a new confidence through this guest spotting. I definitely have, you know, it, it, there is still some self-doubt and stuff like that, but that's, that's something I feel everybody deals with. Mm -hmm. um, that whole imposter syndrome thing that we have, you know, because oh, yeah. when I did start the place in Atlanta, that's exactly how I felt, man. Like, oh, I'm not good enough to be here. Why the fuck am I here? You know, there are way other, there are way better piercers out here than I, than I am, you know? And you know, some of these people are, are really good friends of mine on top of it, too. Like, I don't know why I was offered said position when, when to be honest with you, I'm just some Joe Schmo from down the road. You know what I mean? I've been working in, worked in shitty street shops, like, a good portion of my career. So it's, it's just, like, but, but having some of the people reach out to me, the way that they've reached, you know what I mean, within the, the, the community and within piercing as a whole, some of the studios that I've gone and worked at are, are just, it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some of the best studios in the country, if not the world. Um, and I truthfully feel with some of them, I can probably go anywhere I want to. Like say, for example, I want to go bum around Europe or something for, for a fucking month or whatever, you know, like I guarantee I'm going to have a, some kind of couch or some kind of place to crash and possibly make a little money while I'm there. So, mm -hmm. so <clears throat> you know, you did tattoo Charlie's. Um, what are some of the other, what are some of the other studios you found yourself in? And, and I would imagine that you learned really amazing tips and tricks along the way, because like I haven't done a lot of guest spotting in my, in my career but the times where I have been in other studios and either got to shadow someone else working or got to actually do some piercings there, like it really jumped me up in, in a lot of different things. And, you know, learning the best of the best from the best shops around uh, really strengthens you a lot. So what what were some of your better experiences in different shops working with other piercers or other cities? Um, so it, it's honestly probably my favorite city in the country. Um, Although it wasn't, I mentally wasn't on the top of my game, uh, but, but infinite in Philly, man, mm. um, working with, with those people and learning a bunch, like those people are, are great people. Um, the whole crew is solid. Um, and honestly, when this was, but the reason that I was, I, so it goes back to that whole imposter syndrome thing with Infinite. So <clears throat> that was the first place before the place in Atlanta that I threw my hat in the ring for big boy job, quote unquote. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Totally fucked up the interview with it. Um, and was like, well, fuck. I don't know what to do now. Uh, flash forward, get the spot in Atlanta, do the thing, uh, you know, get the job there then had to go do the guest spot thing. Um, but I learned a lot 
about myself in Philadelphia on that trip. Uh, I met my um, current girlfriend on that trip, man. Um, it was, there was, there was a lot to take in from there. Um, John Logger is also probably one of my all time favorite body piercers. Like it, when, when I was coming up in the industry, he like the infinite crew, his infinite crew was one of the ones you saw all the, all over the place. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so, and I just really, the, his, his belief system on certain things are, are amazing. And even from just talking to him about everyday life kind of stuff, I walked away with, with a different kind of outlook on mm. a worldview as it is um and it was it was really good um 23rd also was one of those those like epiphany moments if you want to want to call it that um so that was supposed to be a two three week guest spot and it ended up turning into a month um and it was, it, it, the reason that that was was one of those turnaround points is is because this is a, a you know this goes to we all fuck up kind of thing right so my first day there um i i i, I was working in uh rick free's room of everybody's room um and so i grab a clipboard and it's for an orbital like an old school one ring like an, an actual for real orbital not like a yeah ring. yeah <laughs> yeah like i'm fu- and i'm fucking stoked to do it you know because that's that comes in off the fucking street every day um i'm stoked to do it and i'm talking to the client well i totally fuck it up dude i not my first one but my second one i totally fuck it up and i had to pull in one of the other piercers a guy named ben who works there um be like dude i i need help i don't know what to do here so that happens. And like, as soon as that happens, I'm like, fuck, well, this is it. You know, I, uh, I'm going to go home. Fuck it. Just going to pack my shit, go home. And I'm staying with Jason and Tisha at the time still before I went and stayed with one of their other piercers, um, Shane Henderson and his wife, Rosie. Um, and, uh, I fully knew Jason knew what was going on. You know what I mean? I know he he got a message from somebody being like, yo, Zach just fucked up this thing. <laughs> and I come in and I sit down on the couch and he's like, well, how was your first day? And I was like, I'm just going to go pack my shit and go, dude. He's like, what? Why? What happened? So I tell him what happened. And, he, and I was like, yeah, man. And I understand if you want me to go home. And he was like, shut up. You're not going anywhere. He's like the balls that you even had to, to grab that and on your first day here. Mm-hmm. He's, and he's like, and you did the right thing on top of it. You bit off more than you could chew. You had somebody come in. You didn't keep the person out in there for an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes trying to fix it. You know, you did what you needed to do to get that client taken care of. Yeah. I'm not mad at you for that. You know, shut up. You're staying here. Um, so that, that, but like the 23rd street thing, especially gave me a huge boost of confidence within my piercing career, just because of, of the one, the sheer volume and two, the, just the, (laughs) how well everybody builds everybody else up around there, man. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of healthy competition between the piercers as well. 
you know what I mean? So that's always a good thing as well. Um, but even within that month's period, I learned a whole bunch of other tips and tricks that like totally watched Ben do um, one septum piercing freehand and uh, just had to change one little thing with my setup because it was all relatively the same. Mm-hmm. Just changed where I held my hands on, on somebody's nose a little bit. And I was like, holy shit, I don't know why I didn't think of that. It's just the littlest things you can you can find and pay attention to within that, especially if you're shadowing or guest spotting or something like that, man. Like just that one little bit is going to change everything for you, you know? Um, and, it, and not to mention just working at 23rd is like uh, uh, dog ears and piercing knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Um that's a good way to that's a good way to look at it. What do you do you recall? I don't know if you were a, a counter. Like I, I mean, as in to say, did you ever count how many piercings you did in a day? And do you remember what your peak might have been? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did. Okay. Um, they definitely like that's one of the things that they do at the end of the night is like, how many did you do for the day? Stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say this. My last day, I was hungover as fuck, like slept in the back of the car on the way to work. Uh, I did the most piercings that day, and it was a Sunday, and it was the uh, last. It was my last day at the spot, and I was a little salty about it. I'm like, you motherfuckers, like, God damn it. Um, you know, and it, it, if it's not something you can or want to go into specifics on. Maybe just a yes or no. Was there a day where you did more than 50 in a day? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, like I I've talked to lots of piercers who have gone through 23rd Street, short term, long term spots, whatever. And just some of the, like the casual like, oh, yeah, I did this many in a day, did this many. And it's just like I I, I could never fathom it. And I, I know it's because of my bias is like, I work in my studio with one counter person and like there, it's like a small army of people working the counter and doing all the different support staff things and all, you know, all the piercers being top of their game and all that. So definite respect to anybody who can, who can hack it in that shop, because I'm, I'm pretty sure I couldn't. Yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons, like I have a lot of respect for that crew. Um, and that's one of the things too, like, cause I went and did a spot there in December um, but that's one of the things that I definitely talked to, to Ben, Ben Higgs, who is, um, the, uh, person who does a lot of the scheduling. Mm-hmm. Well, he was in charge of the scheduling now, you know, I was like, Hey man, um, let me know, you know, I know you probably have other people on deck or, you know, in the wind, uh, wings or whatever, but let me know if you need, need, um, coverage, you know, because they know the schedule for what they're going to be doing months in advance. Mm-hmm. So that gives me time with taking a full-time gig um that gives me time to get my affairs in order to have somebody come cover for me or whatever i need to do or have one of the piercers that i'm working with uh cover my shifts uh here you know and oklahoma city is only like seven eight hours away um, oh is that all <laughs> i know that sounds like a long time dude i'm uh, don't, i don't want to get started on this because <laughs> i've done a 13 hour drive in like one shot man yeah. So, um, but those, those, those people there deserve time off, 
and they work really, really hard. Um, and it's, it's, it's very, it's very, you know, with piercing, whether you're in a slow studio, a busy studio or appointment only, whatever, it's not a physically demanding job. It's really not, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like it is, but it is very mentally demanding. And that place there is when you get off of work, you are not only mentally tired, you are physically tired as well. They put their bodies through a lot for this. Um, and, and those people definitely deserve the time and, and, you know, to go and have fun and do whatever the hell it is they want to do when they're not at work, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and if I can be one of those people that helps relieve some of that stress, you know, I, I, I would really love to do it. So 23rd street and then. Uh, you know, Infinite was mixed in there. You mentioned them. Tattoo Charlie's was mixed in there. In, in between Infinite and 23rd Street, I did a few days uh, at Coven Piercing in uh, okay. Savannah. Yep. Um, that was a really cool spot, too. Victor and Rhiannon um, are great people. Um, Savannah is also just a super fun place. I love Savannah. Um, if you've never been, totally go check it out. Take a ghost tour. Yeah, never been. I, I had a friend who went to uh, the art college there and always seemed to say it was a pretty cool city. Yeah, it's a very cool place. Um, it's, it, it's, it, it's weird because it's a, it's a couple hours from the beach, if I'm not mistaken, but it, it's, a, it's a town that has like a total beach town vibe, you mm -hmm. know, like very laid back, very quiet for a biggest city as it is. Yeah. Um, have a lot of ghost tours. Uh, I have a couple tattooer friends that work there and stuff like that work there and stuff like that. So I got to see them and hang out with um, them for a while while I was there. And that was really cool too. And so do you want to, do you want to get into uh, your St. Louis talk or are there other, there are other noteworthy studios kind of peppered in uh, there? Well, I did do, I did do, um, High Priestess in Oregon too. Yeah, how was um, that? That was, uh, that was that was a good. That was fun. It was a good. It was a good time. Um, you know, went went up to Portland. Uh, I saw a couple other people I know from Portland area too. Um, I had fun while I was there. Um, I like Portland. I I was only there for a few days, but I got to like go on a nice hike and do some stuff. It was cool scenery. So. But so what happened is, is to get to St. Louis. So I came here for the month of June and, you know, to check it out and stuff like that. And I knew that, that Will, William uh, wanted, wanted me to come on full time. At least we had spoke about it before, stuff like that. They were looking for somebody else. Um, they were in this weird transition period as well. Um, and I really liked it, you know, and so with St. Louis, like I came here for the month of June and then I went to Pierceology in Columbus. And then from Pierceology, I went to, um, excuse me, uh, old traditions in Elgin with Chucks. Um, and while I was here, I, I, I talked to my brother a little bit. So 
I'm originally from the Midwest, originally from Indiana, which my hometown from St. Louis is like five hours, four hours away. Um, and my older brother just bought a place in Champaign, Illinois, mm-hmm. which is two hours away from St. Louis. You know, and when I was doing pretty much what I, you know, the Midwest tour, um, I stopped and, and spent a day or two with my older brother. And me and him got to talking, man. And, you know, he's like, dude, I know you don't want to move back here. The Midwest sucks because it does. Um, But, you know, you might want to consider it for a while to help you regroup, help you, you know, do whatever. He's like, you can come and live with me if you want and still do the whole travel thing that you're doing. I'll help you out, whatever you need to do. And, you know, so I thought about it long and hard. Um, Moving back to the Midwest was a blessing in disguise. Um, As much as I don't necessarily like the Midwest, especially during this time of year, um, because it's cold as shit. Um, (laughs) Oh, dude, I hate the snow so much. Um, it, 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 It gives gave me a little bit of clarity on stuff, too, about maybe slowing down a little bit more in life taking it easier on take it easier not on myself but also just people around me too if I could yeah um plus you know man there was time periods where I wouldn't come back to the to my hometown in Indiana for like the first time that I moved when I moved to North Carolina it was I it was like 10 years before I even or no I want to say five years or something like that before I even came home to Indiana for a holiday mm-hmm. you know and now it's it's one of those things like during a holiday I can go spend it with my family or go and hang out with my older brother and you know all that fun stuff um plus I like St. Louis man it's no sir go um it's it, it has amazing food um but also it's it, it reminds me of home um i make decent i make decent money here the clientele love me here um i love the clients here stuff like that man the crew i work with from all everybody there is at, at tricks is 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 really solid and really good you know um and it just feels like a, a play and 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 when i came here that first time, like, so for no, somebody who's never done a guest spot, it's very weird when you walk into that studio you're going to for the first time, because you don't know what shit is. You don't know anything about anything, how they do their processing. If they do processing, do they throw their stuff away? You know, like put, you know, everything in a sharps container, how, how the studio runs, stuff like that. So it's a little intimidating. But as soon as I stepped through the door here at Trix, man, it kind of just felt a little bit like home. You know, there was those first couple of day jitters. So like the first two days or so, I was like, ah. But after that, it was just business as usual, you know. Um, and and William and, and Jen and the owners and stuff, they, they've gone above and beyond for me. And I can't you know, thank them enough for what they've done for me to, to help me get to this next step of what I'm doing within my life and within my career, you know, and they also are leaving room and I leaving room for me to travel and stuff like that again, too. 
So that's always cool as well, because I've been in situations to where, especially before doing the guest spot thing to where it was like, hey, man, I have this opportunity to go do this thing. Uh, I'm going to be gone for a week and tattoo shop owners and stuff like that. Be like, dude, if you leave, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> so like completely you know. inflexible. But I, I think that that's that that shows me a studio owner that doesn't know how to work in the modern industry because like you have to have that flexibility you have to keep your staff like happy and fulfilled and challenged and if you tell them um you can't pursue opportunities while you work here all that's going to do is make them leave to find those other opportunities somewhere else yeah you know that's exactly and that's exactly what i did you know um and st louis has just been good to me since day one man and Cost of living's low. Um, you like sushi? Like, yeah. Uh, have you been to Sub Zero yet? No, uh, I have not. I don't know if it still exists, but I I went out to St. Louis once. Um, I did some stuff at at Tricks, and uh, CJ Maxwell took me to this restaurant called Sub Zero. And I'm if I'm remembering correctly, all they served was really fancy designer sushi rolls really fancy cheeseburgers and vodka and that's all they do you lost me at the vodka but you know what that doesn't sound like too bad i'll have to see if it's still open yeah um, yeah if it is it was a really fun time yeah dude that's the one thing about this city i'll tell you straight out the food a lot of the food here is just super amazing um i saw something not too long ago that I almost sent you. It was uh, some kind of wrestling thing, wrestling promotion and, and stuff like that. And actually one of the dudes I work with, a guy named Greg, tattoos one of the dudes who's on, uh, what's the, no, it's not WWE. AEW? The other one. Yeah, that one. Cool. <laughs> so, well, find, yeah. out, <laughs> find out who it is and then I can harass you about getting me a, a signed 8 by 10 All right. Yeah, I'll definitely do that for you. Sure. Um. But yeah, man, so it, it, it's definitely one of those places mentally I'm at right now that, again, I, I probably need, um, even though I got, you know, like everybody, I got some stuff going on right now that's like, God damn it, I wish this wasn't happening. But, you know, you overcome, it's more inconvenient than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, like, um, for example, my, my starter decided to take a shit on me and there's snow on the ground. So mm -hmm. I got to get my car towed to a mechanic because I'm not fucking with it because it's a 2016. Um, and it's like, man, I just want to be able to get off work, come home and then go to the gym. Like, come the fuck on, man. Um, but so <clears throat> stepping back a little bit, when you mentioned the whole fact of like, when you go to a studio, it may, maybe roll the dice is too strong of a language, but you know, like, you're never really sure what you're going to get as far as how they handle use tools and sharps and, and whatever. So um, what was that like for you? Like what, what would you say is your comfort zone uh, disposable stuff, tool stuff? Like how have you adapted in that sense during this whole journey? So I was mainly tool free, if you want to call it that um, before I took the job in Atlanta. Um, but it, it's just dependent on the environment for me mm -hmm. to be honest with you um to be honest same thing with depending on how i feel that day is how i'm going to approach a, a, a piercing for that matter you know 
like there's a possibility it's like uh this person is a little bit more cagey so i'm gonna go ahead and do the nostril the tried and true rate way into a receiving tooth you know mm-hmm. um but for me when it comes to that kind of stuff it it I always like to have the conversation with the people that I'm going to be working with because I would rather have do things by the studio's policies instead of my policies. Yep. Because my policies may be completely different than yours. You know, like some of the things like I, the only I have no, never mind. I take that back. Yeah. Um, like Pierceology, they do a lot of disposable stuff. So a lot of the stuff you do, you throw right into the, the sharps container, you know, um, which is great. Um, Coven, same thing. Uh, they, uh, they're mainly disposable, even if they get, um, uh, they, and they're using like metal, metal clamps and metal forceps and stuff like that, you know, they, they bought them in bulk and throw them in a sharps man mm-hmm. will you do me a favor and pan over a little bit and just show me your dogs because it looks like they're having fun yeah they're they're rough housing <laughs> that's very cute <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a pain in the ass that little one there he's a oh, i want to brain him uh but so there's definitely there's definitely a learning curve i feel um because you know sometimes when you go into it you don't know how again you when you go into it you don't know how that place operates how what's going on what's what um but the thing about it is is i i had the mindset at one point in time of when i started doing this to being like well i'm freehand i wonder i wonder if hey um, I wonder if uh, they, if, if all studios allow that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. Dude. Oh, come on. Come on. You annoyed her. Um, but that's not the case. You know, most of the time when you go in, like they show you like, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing. If you use tools, this is our processing room. This is where you put them, you know, uh, clean up after yourself, make sure you do do it at the end of the night for the next person mm-hmm. who comes in. So they don't got to clean up your mess. Um, so, but most, most of the places I, I went were, were definitely like about the same when it came to processing or reprocessing or, or, you know, like, Oh, well, we buy tapers at this, this cost. So just it's disposable, mm-hmm. you know? So <laughs> Um, but it was good to see because there are little tweaks and twists for everybody. Yeah. Um, there, it was good to see how some people had to set up their processing rooms or for that matter, you know, the lack of a process, lack of a processing room. Um, that's really cool to see. Um, it's really, honestly, that's really weird to me. I guess it's because I've walked in or worked in places that have always had some place to process tools and equipment, but like ha- going into a place that doesn't have a processing room is like, what, what is this magic? You know, Lola, Lola's shop is like that. And you know, years ago I was, I was kind of in that same headspace that you are where it's like, well, how can you have a shop that doesn't have like an ultrasonic and a dirty sink? You know, like how, yeah, how do you yeah. function? 
And now seeing it, how like, you know, Jeff's shop does it, Lola's shop does it. And those like high level, all, all single use studios do it. It makes perfect sense, but it still feels like a very foreign concept to me. Agreed. Like I'm the same way. It's definitely one of those, like, I don't, oh, this is, this is witchcraft, dude. Like yeah. we should, we should burn you at the stake, you know, yeah. but, but it, in, in reality, it's a little, it's super cost-effective. Mm-hmm. Super cost-effective. I mean, if you compare it to, I always tell people like, yeah, okay, it might seem counterintuitive to throw away a taper that cost you however much, 50 cents, a dollar, $5, whatever the item is. Um, but if you compare that to like the equipment and like the build out that you would need for a, for a bio room, like if you move into a, a completely like raw space and you tell them, I want you to put in one or two sinks and then you need an ultrasonic or you need a hydrum or you need whatever. And then all that PPE that goes with it. Um, after a, a, a couple of years, like you're spending way more than disposable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, like the overhead with that, like, and of course I haven't seen some of the numbers, but the overhead with it, like is probably like, is very minimal not to min- you know, like, and it, it's, it's not so bad. It kind of helps the environment a little bit too. So. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned the septum thing, uh, at 23rd street, were there any other, you know, secret Jedi tricks that you learned along the way where now you feel like you couldn't really work without them? Uh, yes and no. Um, there are some things like, you know, um, up until, uh, 23rd or, um, a couple of the other places or an infinite, to be honest with you, I would try and you know, there's things that I learned that it's okay to do. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, for example, like if you are a freehand piercer and you try and do everything to a free, it's okay if you can't get that threadless end off to grab a pair of hemos mm-hmm. to help get that thing off of it. Because let's yeah. be honest, man, they, like I got fat fingers and sometimes it's hard to get my hands into somebody's inner ear cavity for a tragus. Or, you know, like, oh, well, shit, the person before me got this beat, threaded bead on there way too tight, a lot really tight. So mm-hmm. I need to have a little extra, um, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot of it. Um, learning that, like, some things that you did in the past are okay. Um, like, <clears throat> I, I know fully well. I can freehand a tongue piercing. I know how to do it. Uh, in theory, I definitely could probably do it and pull it off. Am I going to? No. It's the only thing I still clamp, but I just know that I'm going to have a better result at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I learned is definitely to um, kind of, you got to try and go into as, as much as we have to sell ourselves and as much as you have to be like, I am the shit, you still have to approach every day kind of humble. Mm -hmm. Um, Every client is going to be different. Every client is going to have a different nerve or whatever they're going to be for the day. You know, some people are more definitely more cagey than others. Um, Some people are way more cool with it you know until you actually sit down into the get them sit sat down in the chair and then that's when their their anxiety starts to act up Mm -hmm. um 
So you kind of got to go into it a little bit more calm, um, cool and collected. And then same thing with like, if you mess up or something, you know, like say you drop a transfer or something, because it happens. Like, you know, I've used pin tapers or transfer assists, but sometimes, man, like you still mess up with that. You know, it's not a big deal. Like a lot of people, especially if you're younger in your career, you're going to start flipping out a little bit. You know, you might start shaking and, and things like that. But it's also one of those things that you kind of got to just roll with the punches, let the client be, know that it's it's okay. These things happen from time to time. Um, this is what happened. This is what we're going to do. Or if you mess something up, you know, because nine times out of ten, well, it's something John Logger told me is being a good piercer doesn't necessarily have it does have a lot to do with technical skill but being a good piercer has more to do with being honest with your clientele mm-hmm. 19 out of 20 times 19 out of 20 times that septum is going to look look stellar by the time i'm done with it happens to be that lucky number 20 sometimes to where you have to tell them hey um, I'm not happy with this. You're not getting my best work. Um, I would really like to redo this for you right now, you know, mm-hmm. um, but this is our other option too. So that, that's something I took away from it as well is to just be upfront, have some sort of transparency with your clientele, you know, um, <clears throat> have, have, have the decency because most of the time when, when that does happen, most of the time the person that is it's happened to is normally pretty cool with it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not very often that somebody's like, nah, man, uh, take this thing out and I don't want you to do it anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and, and it's, you know, just trying to walk away from the day knowing that you're not for lack of a better term, strong arming somebody out of money you know Mm -hmm. same thing with like anatomy concerns and stuff like that like you know yeah i can pierce that but i'm not going to sure because i'm just going to be stealing your money at the end of the day and when something goes wrong who do they always you know you're always to blame you know i think uh, a phase in my career early on was like, if somebody asks for it, it's my job to figure out how to do it. Where'd yeah, you go? Yeah. I'm, I'm still here. Some, uh, somebody got to text me about something. Okay. All right. No worries. Um, uh, the, you know, the phase was like, you asked for it. So it's my job to figure out how to do it. I get your money and you're gone. And, and now I feel like my career is like, it's my job to make sure that it heals well for you. And if I don't think that that can happen, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you no. And I, I feel like that's something where I'm really comfortable with it now, but 10 or 15 years ago, it was like, well, yeah, I guess I could do it. And now it's just like, nope, not going to do it. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Like, no, nah, I'm cool, man. I don't feel like doing that today. Yeah. Obviously I don't say it like that, but you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's this, that's the same thing. Um, I've tried to do that for the last couple of years, but this is this, this whole situation and this whole being out on the road thing definitely made that way more apparent that I need to be doing those things and saying those things and being that type of person. 
because um, <laughs> I believe there's a time in a lot of our careers, and it's more so at the beginning of your career or people's careers. And of course, this is just my opinion too. Um, I believe there's that time period to where you have the thought process of my shit doesn't stink. Mm. I never mess up, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's not the case, man. <laughs> and you, you, and it, all it takes is that one person, that one person to have that bad experience with you. And that'll change your whole outlook on it all. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so, but that was, that was a good thing I took away from it all. Um, Let's see. What else, man? Um, well, it, it sounds like just just from what you're telling me now and just hearing like the confidence in the way that you speak now, like I can really feel your, you know, your your growth and like what kind of like a learning experience that that last year must have been for you. And it, I, I, I remember when Atlanta was wrapping up and I remember hearing where you were and it felt like you were in a certain headspace and now it really just feels like it's, it's a whole new, a whole new chapter for you, man. And I'm excited for you. Yeah, no, I'm, I am too, man. It's, it's definitely been fun. Um, I'm taking a step back from traveling a little bit mm-hmm. right now. Um, going to get set up here at St. Louis for, and hopefully by springtime I can start coming out again, man. Cause, uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I honestly really, really enjoyed the guest spot life. Um, it was fun. I got to go and see some of my best friends. I got to go see and meet new, new people, see different cities, stuff like that, you know, um, stuff that I've never really got to do. I mean, fuck dude, I took all of September off to take a cross country road trip with my girlfriend. That was fucking sick. Nice. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. Well, uh, we'll start to wrap it up, but my, my most important question I can ask you is, do you have like a favorite food spot that you found on your travels? Is there like the, the penultimate donut or pizza or burger or something like what is, what's that one thing that you found on your travels that you crave? Okay. Luis turned me onto this spot in Philly. It's around the corner from infinite and no co- oh. shush. It's called, um, oh, fuck, what is it? I think it's Good Ramen mm-hmm. or something like that. Dude, the ramen noodles there were amazing. It's over, it's just around the corner. And they're one of those little joints that like, if they sell out at four o'clock, they're out at four o'clock. There's yeah. no more, there's no more food. Um, that has to be probably was one of my favorite places to eat when I was on the road. Um, and I only got to eat there the one time. Mm. Um, so I really like Philly cheesesteaks too. Yeah. Um, there's a place over on South street as well. Fuck that Pat's fuck that Gino's joint. Um, Ishka Bibbles, man. Ishka Bibble? Ishka Bibbles. Okay. Am- <laughs> amazing. Amazing cheesesteaks. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, what's, what's like the top of the list, uh, in St. Louis for you? Uh, I think one of my favorite places here would have to be, uh, I think it's called smoking pit. It's a barbecue joint, man. That's, Mm. that's really good. 
Um, yeah, there's there's not a lot of great barbecue in the Northeast. Like, not that's probably the least surprising thing I've ever said in my life. But uh, <laughs> there there are moments where I crave some good barbecue, and that makes me want to get back out on the road to find it. Well, man, come to St. Louis. I, I got you. All right. Um, um, also, there is oh, uh, it's uh, Steve's Hot Dogs. Yeah here in St. Louis, it's down the road from the shop there. Uh, he makes like, you know, hot dogs. They got one like called the Stormtrooper or whatever. Um, it has like, uh, has, a uh, you know, stuff like he does stuff like, um, um, like a Chicago style dog or like a hot dog with like Alfredo and shit like that on it. You know, like, they, <laughs> I, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Give me that look. I know, but it sounds weird, but it's fucking, dude, it's great. Fucking great. So, all right, man. Well, um, it was really good catching up with you, and I'm really, I'm really glad to see that you're, you're in a good spot, like mentally, but also career-wise. And uh, I just want to, I just want to reiterate that uh, I'm proud of you, and like I've seen how much you've done in the years and years that I've known you at this point, and uh, I'm excited to 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 watch you keep working. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that dude. Um, Cause there was a time period when all this was going down that I felt like, you know, not only did I let everyone involved in the situation down, I definitely was like, man, you know, cause you stuck your neck out for me. You didn't have to do that. Mm. Well, so <laughs> the, the, the other thing is for, for anyone else who might be in a similar scenario to yours, um, there's, there's no guarantee that you're going to get hired in the right place, that you're going to be the right person for that shop or that that yeah, shop yeah. is going to be the right place for you, you know, or, or, or whatever. So um, careers go on for years or, or decades, you know, and, and sometimes you look back and you say like, yeah, I had my time at this shop and it helped me grow and it helped me learn. And that wasn't my forever home, but it's, it's an important part of your story and your growth. So um, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be the end of your Pearson career, but I, I, I did respect the fact that it was a really difficult chapter in your Pearson career. So I'm proud of you for, for how you, how you carried it and how you worked through it. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I know that came out super sarcastic, but that really does mean, <laughs> yeah, that thanks. Does mean, that means uh, a lot. Yeah, no, it really does. Man. It really does. Um, so, but yeah, man, um, Anytime you want to come to St. Louis, let me know. Totally. Um, you can try and maybe set up a seminar or something for you. Or yeah. If you want to just come. Once we get past this whole like around. pesky global pandemic thing, I want to <laughs> get back at it hard. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. And are you, are you working today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually getting ready to go in right now. All right. Well, uh, pet your dogs for me and tell everybody a trick to say hi. Uh, I will. All right. Cool. See you. All right. Thanks for catching up with us, Zach. I'm excited to see what the future brings for you. Uh, For other educational stuff, keep in mind that I'm going to be doing that live in-person seminar Monday, March 7th in Orlando, Florida. And it's going to be in a hotel conference room type setting. It's not going to be in a piercing studio. So there won't be live piercing, but I'm going to be able to do just about everything else to to show you different uh, examples of things. So I'll be bringing needle blanks, lots of tools, different prep materials, 
And what I what I want to focus on is something a little bit different. My previous live seminars have been focusing kind of on one subject. You know, bevel theory is really the the entire day. I do a slideshow, then we do like the banana party, and then some other stuff to really reinforce bevel theory. I've done my my bevel theory seminar so many times at this point, and a handful of times in Florida, that now I'm gonna try something a little bit different. So I'm gonna do maybe the first hour of the day, I'll do kind of a bevel theory catch up. So if you need to get a little refresher on it, or if you've never been exposed to the, the concepts of bevel theory, I'm gonna talk about that right at the start of the day so that everybody is kind of on the same level as far as their understanding of it. I'm gonna be going over a lot of stuff related to needle modification, needle crushing, needle flattening. I think that that's a really important thing to, to discuss right now in the, uh, in the industry. So we'll talk about that stuff. We'll do a little bit of workshop banana party type things, but then we're just gonna get into the bulk of the day and that's going to be an open techniques workshop. Um, this is, uh, it's a little bit vague, it's a little bit nebulous, but it's because it's it's really flexible. And uh, I've had great success with it at different international conferences. So when it comes to the BMXNet conference in Germany, when it comes to the UK APP conference, uh, that's really what I, li I like to focus on, open techniques, because it's whatever the attendees wanna learn and cover. So you wanna cover septums, you wanna cover nipple piercings you want to cover whatever um, we can we can do all that stuff i can talk about the theory that goes into marking preparation jewelry selection but also piercing techniques and we can try a couple different kinds of piercing techniques you want to see it with tools you want to see it without tools uh, we're going to talk about all that stuff so monday march 7th in uh, orlando florida you can get all the information by checking out the uh, event page from Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. You can also go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars, and if you're a Patreon follower, I'll post some information there as well. Uh, I do fully understand that it's really short notice as this episode uh, goes live. It's only about three weeks notice. So what I'm going to do is give you a, a pretty significant discount. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what uh, the lowest price point I'll be able to hit is just yet. I'm tying up a, a few loose ends with the, the hotel about the, the cost of the venue and all that stuff. But uh, by the time registration opens, when this uh, episode publishes uh, live, you'll be able to register, get all the pricing info. Again, Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars, or my Patreon page, patreon.com slash ryanppa. On Patreon, I've got all that new educational content for you. I've got uh, a handful of new narrated piercing videos on septums and Prince Albert piercings, floating navels, all kinds of stuff. And I've got more in the works. I've got some content recorded for uh, standard navel piercings, for uh, rook piercings, for inverted nipple piercings. So a lot of new great content coming down the pipeline, patreon.com slash ryanpba. Uh, if you're interested in merch, I, I had a new run of stuff uh, for for winter. I've got my Gentian Violence knit hats back in stock. Uh, I think limited colors at this point. The black ones sold out really quick, but I do have some, uh, I think, purple and electric blue, and they're, they're pretty cool hats. Uh, I've got my new Defend Piercing pin badges. And I've got some short sleeves of the uh, the Metal Wizard shirt. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, you can go and check it out at precisionbodyarts.com shop. 
And if you are going to be attending that uh, live seminar in Orlando, you can buy the stuff online, pick store pickup, and I will bring it to Florida for you for no shipping costs. So thanks for listening. Um, I will be back next week, I think, with another episode. I've got a few things in the works, but life is busy. Um, Lola is pretty busy, so we've got some plans to do uh, a series of things together soon, talking about aftercare and and troubleshooting and a couple other subjects, but we'll get those up as as soon as possible. But uh, for now, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more, and uh, I'll see you when I see you. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.